you guys here. All right. Man, I'm excited to see y'all. I don't know if y'all were there, if y'all saw it. Y'all may not have seen it, but yeah, during the honeymoon with Jesus, that's right. No better the third, ultimate third wheel. He's awesome. Uh, so, yes. Uh, but, but as they were getting married, I, I don't know if anybody else saw it. When they walked out, there was like this bald eagle that just flew right over your head. I don't know spiritually know what that means, you know. But it was awesome. It was like a bald eagle. I saw the fireman deal. I don't know what was going on. But it, it flew right over your head. It was great. So that was great yesterday. And now uh, I get the opportunities to preach. And one of the first things I ever preached on when John so graciously let me, stepped away from the podium for a weekend, I think he was doing a wedding, one of the first things I ever preached on was just uh, expectancy, just that the Lord could return at any moment, and that's something that's always on my heart, it's an old message, I guess, and, and to a lot of people, uh, but it's something that I love, and it's something that is near and dear to me, that uh, that that the Lord could return at any moment he, and that we need to live with a life of expectancy that Jesus could show up before this sermon even ends, before I'm done, that it, we're just waiting for maybe one more person to get saved and soon as that person gets saved, so if you're unsaved in here and, and you come to Christ, that we may get out of here and go to be with Jesus before it's even done. And I just, uh, I just love that thought and keeping that in my heart and keeping that close to my heart. And uh, that's something that I just love to preach on. So if passage that's been particularly meaningful to me over the last couple weeks is in 1 Peter, and that's where we're just going to spend some time this morning, 1 Peter 4, and um, I'll just start off with reading it, verse 7, it says this, this is a group of believers who are struggling, were suffering under persecution during this, during, from the Romans basically, and, and, and this is Peter's words to them, his words of encouragement, edification, all these things that were uh, uh, going on during this time. This is what Peter says to them. And this passage is really good, I think, and it's really practical for us. You sometimes may think, you know, like talking about Jesus' return is not very practical, but actually Peter, Paul, and, and John, they sound like a band, but those three guys, they, they actually said otherwise, that this doctrine is extremely practical to us and useful to us. And so, uh, um, especially speaking to college students about this subject, they're all the time like, can we put this off just a little bit so I can go get married, have some kids, things like that, you know, before the Lord comes. I promise it'll be better. It'll be better than that, than even getting married. No offense, I love my wife, and it's been a blast, but um, Ray, go to Jesus too. <laughs> um, and so is she. Yeah, exactly. She's ready to go too. No. Um, but uh, anyway, First Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I just pray this morning that this would be set in our hearts. I pray that, that, uh, that you could show up at any moment and we would live lives that reflect that. Lord, that we, have, we live lives that are desirous 
to see Jesus show up and we want to celebrate you and we want to worship you and we want to fellowship with you at all moments in our lives. That whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, we're doing to the glory of God. And that you would find us as servants who are, are, are doing your work. And that we wouldn't be surprised or it wouldn't be something necessarily unexpected when you show up and it would be an easy transition right into your kingdom worshiping the Lord. And so my heart this morning is just to birth in some of us, and myself included, a renewed expectancy to see Jesus and and a desire to be reunited with the one who loves us more than we will ever know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in the midst of this this troublesome time, in the midst of these trials and the different things, uh, Peter decides to set something in these guys' heart. He says this, That the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Now, what does he mean by the end of all things is near? He's he's proclaiming that God's purposes are are about to be wrapped up. Now, this was obviously 2,000 years ago. And there have been many people who have proclaimed such things and turned it into kind of a semi-cheesy doctrine, as we've seen it on TV or different things of that nature, that that we've seen people say, even this year, that Jesus is going to going to show up in this day or that day or different things about it. it but, but what Peter is not proclaiming a date necessarily, but he's having live in a mentality that says that Jesus could show up at any moment. And even beyond that, that your days are very lim- limited in time and scope. So live with a sense of expectancy that Jesus could come and take you to himself at any point in time. And that this should, be, this should transform you in some form or fashion. But even beyond that, he's saying that what is going on in this world currently is going to wrap up. It's going to be done. The work of the devil and the flesh that messes us up, gets us caught up so often, is going to be wrapped up soon enough. Sooner rather than later. It's going to be done away with. And even though it's been 2,000 years since Peter necessarily proclaimed this, many people have proclaimed this along the way. Church fathers like Polycarp and and. Irenaeus, and then you go on down to men like Spurgeon and D.L. Moody and even Billy Graham and Tory and all these different guys, they proclaimed that Jesus was coming back shortly, that Jesus was coming to come and get them. They believed in their lifetime that Jesus would be back, and it never happened. So is it something that we should stop preaching about? That we should start, that we should stop talking about because it didn't happen within the time frames. I would rather be put in with uh, those guys' company, these guys who, um, uh, seemingly all the time on their heart was that Jesus could show up at any moment. Jesus said this: "In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble, but always." Keep the end in mind, in essence. Keep the end game in mind. Start there. He says, he says, uh, Dr. Constable, a guy that I really like, his notes are really good. He says, Peter was to prepare his readers to meet the Lord soon. Peter urged them to make the best use of their time. Now that they understood what he had written about suffering, like the other apostles, Peter believed that the return of Christ was imminent. Imminent just means it could happen at any moment. 
This fact should have made practical difference in this way the re- his readers lived. Eschatology, and never let anybody tell you anything different, but eschatology has ethical, eschatology just means the study of end times. Like looking to see Jesus come. Looking to see when he's coming. Eschatology has ethical implications. That means it affects your life in a very real way. Try to keep this in mind. This is what I try to keep in mind, and I'm learning more and more. In this day, we'll have trouble. But remember that God is working towards your eternity. He's not preparing you for success in this life, even though success does come along as you set your eyes on eternity. But he's not preparing you to be successful in this life necessarily. Even though many of us may experience success in following Jesus and drawing close and living with expectancy. But he is actually preparing you for eternity. He's getting, ready for, getting you ready for the next life. He's preparing your heart for the next life and your life for the next life. So always keep that in mind, that you may never experience the success you want in this life, but that in the next life is when he's really preparing for you. So as menial and as small as the tasks that you may be um, doing at the current moment, know that the Lord is setting you up for something bigger in eternity. And that is what he's preparing you for. So, how do we deal with that? H.A. Ironside said this, The Christian is ever to keep the end in view. He is to live not for the passing moment, but as one who knows the end of all things, that is, all things of the present order as at hand. It will be ushered in at the Lord's return. Therefore, the importance of sobriety and watchfulness unto prayer. That's really good. I like this. And, And Peter puts it this way. And if you're taking points... I just got six quick points and we'll be done. Y'all know I'm a quick uh, preacher most of the time. And so I'll try not to drag it on too long or belabor anything. But uh, point number one is this. To have the end game in mind creates sound judgment and a sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. All right? What does that mean? If you, like maybe me, are struggle with... uh, Bad lack of judgment, sound lack of judgment in this life. Or maybe you struggle to be self-controlled with your emotions or your decisions. Or, or, or maybe you cast your thoughts to this world a lot and what's going on. Peter is in essence saying to these believers who are struggling with their surroundings and what's going on. Is that, that to actually have the end in mind... What's going to happen, casting your vision towards Jesus' return, actually creates a sober spirit in in you. And what I mean by a sober spirit is it allows you to understand the world better as to what's going around. So if you and I, often, we get caught up in this world. Uh, we, get, we get lost in what's going on. It, the result being anxiety, frustration, uh, unmet expectations, all these different things that may go on. But if we come with the understanding that, hey, Jesus could show up at any moment, how does it change things? That's the question that we're trying to answer. Remember this first. This is actually, this is actually a great encouragement and a really just powerful verse. It says, Beloved children, this is 1 John 3, 3. Beloved, now we children are of God, 
And if it is, has not appeared to us as yet what we will be, we know that when he appears, we will be made like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So those, this has great practical implications in that John is saying here to have this hope that Jesus could show up at any moment and the hope that we will be made like him. This is a good encouragement to those who maybe they don't like themselves a whole lot. Maybe you don't like yourself a whole lot sometimes. The good thing is one day you'll be made new. Julian, you don't like yourself a whole lot sometimes. I, I understand, you know, but one day you're going to be made new. That's a really good thing. Um, I'm excited about that. No, I love Julian. Uh, but so one day we're going to be made new. But this helps keep things in perspective, really. That I would even th- encourage you to think about, where were you last night? What were you doing last night? Maybe something fruitful. Maybe it wasn't something very fruitful. If you knew the day was at hand, that the Lord was going to take us at any moment, that he was coming that evening maybe, would you have been in the same place as you were at? Would you be doing the same things you were doing? Maybe you would be. But maybe it would mean something completely different for you guys. Maybe it would begin to look like you're, you've got more purpose, sobriety, more focus in your life as you begin to think that Jesus could actually show up at any moment and, and he could take us to himself. Would you be doing something as described as a good servant would be doing as working towards, uh, towards the Lord? You know, maybe it may change certain things within your family dynamics. Maybe you're thinking as to how was I how was I acting with my family? What was I doing with my family? If I knew the Lord was coming, I would have I would spend time I would spend time with my family. We'd be sitting before each other just worshiping. I'd want to be with my family, sharing the things of the Lord. He actually says, "Take this attitude." It, maybe you're with your group of friends. Maybe there's somebody who who doesn't know the Lord, and like I. Said, this is a, you've heard this stuff before, this is an old school message. But maybe there's somebody who doesn't know the Lord. You would take the time to go tell them about Jesus and say, Jesus is at hand. Right? It would change who we are if we truly lived as people with expectancy that the end is at hand. That Jesus is coming shortly. Second thing it says, that Peter says to these guys. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Keep, fer- or my version, a different version says, keep fervent in your love for one another. Fervent is a word that's equated to like running a race. He says, because you know the end is in mind, love in such a way that you are running towards it. Love people recklessly in such a way. Now this is the, now this is the reason and how to put it in a heavenly perspective. I've said this before, but maybe it, it helps put it in perspective. A lot of you probably don't like me very much. I understand that. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, maybe you say, I don't like Jeremy a whole lot. He's like, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't like his bald head. You don't like, you know, like any number of things, like my attitude towards things. Maybe you don't like me, you know, the way I dress or whatever it may be. I don't know. The way I talk, whatever. 
it may be. You know, uh, me and Julian have this thing, if I can use Julian again, Julian doesn't like me a whole lot, I don't like Julian a whole lot, you know, he's more muscular than me, all these different things, you know, he's always making fun of me. Uh, uh, so, Julian, in heaven, I promise you this, you're going to like the new me. You're going to like the new me in heaven. In fact, you're going to love the new me in heaven. And I'm going to love the new you, the people out there that, that I don't like so much right now. You know, it, 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 me and Rebecca have this phrase, and it doesn't work very, uh, very, um, very well for me. I don't like to, I don't like to use it. I just probably shouldn't use it from the public uh, standpoint. But my mentor taught me this phrase about marriage. It, it, when you can say to one another, "I love you right now, but I don't like you very much right now." Never say that to your wife. Actually, that's a terrible thing to say. But you understand the point. You understand the point that one day. You are going to love me um, even though you may not like me right now. And the reason is this. What, is, what does First John say? That I'm going to look a lot more like Jesus at that point than I look like now. So when I get to heaven one day, I'm going to be made like Jesus. And Jesus is the most likable person there is. As I study the scriptures, as, there's, there's, as you look at people throughout church history, right... There's always some flaw. You know, you look at Martin Luther long enough, Martin Luther, the Reformation guy, you look at him, he could be a goofy guy at times. He had weird stuff going on. He didn't like Jewish people, for, uh, you know, all these different things. He was a strange guy at times. You know, you go down the line long enough, you find something in somebody's life. You know, you'll find stuff if you were to peel back the onion in my life that you wouldn't like. But the more I study Jesus... The more I read about Jesus, the more I see of Jesus and you guys, uh, the more I understand, the more I love Jesus. And I get more excited about Jesus, being close to Jesus. In fact, um, you know, when I first began my faith walk, Jesus didn't see, he seemed very distant. I don't know that I cared so much about, about seeing Jesus. But the more I looked at Jesus in the scriptures, through the, the, the church, through different things, the more I see Jesus, the more excited I get about being with him and being like him. And so one day when we get to heaven, we are going to be made more like Jesus than ever before. And, and you're going to love me. And I'm going to love you. And I'm excited about that day to be accepted by you because, um, uh, because I look more like Jesus and less like myself. So 1 Corinthians 13 says it clearly. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. You're like, what you all see here is only partial of what I'm going to be and what's going to be um, in the fullness of it. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I, as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and a lo of love abides, these three. This is currently what's going on. We deal in the realm of faith, hope, and love as spiritual people. But, but the greatest of these is love. So faith and hope are all going to go away one day. And we're just going to exist in the realm of love in eternity when Jesus shows up on the scene. And that is great news. So, the next thing that goes along with that, and this is, this is good as well, I think, and it's very practical. Above all, this is verse 8 again, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Since love covers a multitude of sins. This means that there is no time 
for me to hang on to grudges. If I'm looking for Jesus, there's no time for me to hang on with, uh, with grudges. I need things to be right between one another. We need to work these things out. And even beyond that, love covers a multitude of sins. I like this story. Y'all know the story of, it's kind of a, a, a strange story in some ways, but y'all know it probably. But the story of Noah and his two sons. Noah, a good man, right? A righteous man in essence. He has flaws like the rest of us. And, um, and we see Noah. And, and we see Noah at, towards the end of his life. We see him get drunk, right? And we see Noah um, enter into some excess and begin to have some, some really disturbing things go on in essence. And, and uh, an interesting story about Noah is he gets drunk to the point where he passes out naked, right? And, uh, and one of his sons, Ham, comes on the scene. He finds his father uh, in this state of drunkenness, naked. And he begins to, in essence, like laugh at him is the picture that I get. And he pulls all the family around and he says, and he says to his brothers, he says, come look at dad. He's passed out, naked, you know, like, isn't this, isn't this pretty laughable? This is kind of funny. Is this really the guy that God was using? In essence, is what's being described. Look at his nakedness. Look at, look at dad. He's exposed right now. And then there's another brother who comes along and says, and his name's Shem, and he says, hold on, hold on a minute. And he grabs a, he grabs a blanket and he, and he walks backwards into the tent and he covers up dad. And he covers him up. And he says, um, he says, you know, uh, essentially let dad have his dignity, you know, is what he's describing. Now, the one ham ends up being cursed and and Shem goes, walks away with a blessing. What was going on there? You and I are in the same boat a lot of times. Um, it, I, can, I can walk around exposing you. You know, we get dirt on each other all the time, right? You know, you get stuff about me, I get stuff about you. I can expose you for who you really are. And as a result, the, the, anytime, anytime I look at you, I begin to remember that exposure. I, if you come up to me and you, say, and you say something to me, you say, did you know so-and-so like did this? Anytime I go up to so-and-so from that point on, all I know about this person is their exposure. All I know anymore is, th is this. And I cannot look at them any differently than that. But it says, scripturally, it says, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers up. It takes the, it's not out to expose you for what you are necessarily, but help restore. If there's sin in one's life, it's to restore, not to expose, not to show your nakedness before the whole congregation of people. It's there to say, to look forward Love looks forward and sees you for who you're going to be and proclaims that rather than what is currently going on in this life. Because if I'm living for this life, I'm pointing at your sin. And I'm saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. 
But if I'm looking forward as to Jesus' returning, love will look forward and see you for what you're going to be one day, and I can treat you that way. I can walk with you that way. And I don't have to expose you. I simply need to restore. Because sin at the same time, it doesn't just look over the sin. It, does, it doesn't look past it necessarily. But love restores in a loving way rather than in an exposure type way. And this becomes extremely practical to us. As we find ways to love each other well. You know, y'all know all y'all know all the passages about love, like 1 Corinthians 13, and what it looks like to love really well, to be patient with one another, to be self-controlled, to be all those things. And that comes as a result of believing that Jesus could show up at any moment, and it should affect the way we treat one another, the way we love one another, in essence. Fourth, it says this. Above all, this is verse 8 again, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Yes, show hospitality to one another without grumbling or without complaint. Be hospitable to one another. What does that have to do with like being heavenly minded, knowing Jesus could come at any moment? Uh, Well, for one, it says that you may entertain angels unaware, you know, that Jesus may be on the scene even in essence through his messengers. Um, But even beyond that, there's an aspect in which, you know, in heaven, it is going to be the most hospitable place uh, we've ever experienced. Um, I truly believe that you may come to my house and you may just say, hey, let's, let's spend a decade together. You know, getting to know one another. You know, you, you know, like let's just spend. You, you come and spend a few hundred years with me. What is it? Doesn't matter. You know, hey, we're gonna sit down together, um, engage one another, and this is all speculation. Scripture doesn't necessarily say this. Uh, you know, I, and you shouldn't speculate. I know from up here, but this is just uh, my heart putting out to you guys that that uh, we're gonna spend time and worship with one another in each other's homes, uh, like living living in the mansions in a town right uh, in, together with one another. Being hospitable, learning what it means to be in community with one another. Without complaints, though, that's the key to this part. Like, listen, if you're coming into my house and I say, yeah, come on in. Come on, you know. No, this is an excitement that, you, that I have the opportunity to share my life with you. Colossians 3 says this, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So in heaven, we're going to realize most fully all the sins that God has forgiven in our lives, and we're going to forgive each other really well at that point. After all this stuff burns away, um, that's, that's not, a, uh, not of the kingdom in essence, we're going to um, realize how much grace God has put on our lives, and we're going to be the most hospitable people to one another as we just encourage and engage one another and celebrate one another. In, in its true sense, now we have, it says, put on a heart of compassion with one another. 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So taking time, being slow with one another before we enter into a place of being angry. That is having Jesus in mind coming shortly. Being patient with one another um, and, and walking with humility with one another. So before I complain about someone or get frustrated with someone or a ministry, I try to remember now, as I try to live with a sense of expectancy, all my mess-ups and how messed up I really am. And try to be hospitable um, through the grace of God in that. Now, fifth point, if you're taking notes. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here's the thing. If you and I are not using our gifts as God has entrusted us with gifts, as he's made us stewards of gifts, we're not being heavenly minded. Maybe you and I think that, maybe you and I think that, um, that we're just using our gifts now and then one day those things will stop. From everything I understand about scripture is that you are being entrusted with gifts now that will go on to, into eternity. You will be using those things throughout eternity. You will be serving the body throughout eternity. He, he, he gives these parables in, in Matthew and Luke. You know them. He entrusts uh, his servant with uh, um, a talent. And then he comes back to find him using that talent. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm entrusting you with more now as you enter into eternity. And it would seem like our inheritance in heaven is twofold. One, first and foremost, is we get Jesus himself, God himself. But along with that is that we get the opportunity to serve in his kingdom in some capacity and dependent upon what we did with our gifts here in this life. So if you are not living in such a way where you're using your gifts and talents to serve the body of Christ, you're not living as if Jesus could show up to see what he's done, see what you've done, excuse me, with the gifts and talents he's entrusted you with. So you need to begin to have that sober mindset of, Lord, what have you entrusted to me? What are the things that you've given me? And I need to find ways to be faithful with them as the Holy Spirit would open them up to you. Those ministries that he would open up to you. And throughout eternity, you are going to be using those gifts and talents before the Lord, worshiping and fellowshipping with the Lord. And then verse or, uh, point six. This is going down the line of the, the verses. And the worship team can already come up. That was quick, I told you. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. So listen. My hope, this would be my hope for us. As we keep the end in mind. That we understand a big part of what's going to be going on in heaven when Jesus just shows up. Takes us to himself. 
which I, I truly believe could be any moment. I'd be glad to talk to you more about that, you know, is that, that we're just going to be um, worshiping the Lord. He's truly going to be getting glory out of our lives. We're going to be praising the Lord. And we'll be fellowshipping with God. So, so what? So what? My hope for you guys, and myself included, is that the life of Christ would already be being matured, as Galatians would say even now. That the life of Christ would be born in us, be, be growing in us already. So that we, when we slip on into eternity, you know, whether, whether it's Jesus coming back in this next moment and taking us to himself or on through death, that it wouldn't be that big of a change. Maybe it's like an hour, two hours in heaven before you realize what's going on even. That, that Christ would be formed in you so much already that it, it, that it may not even um, catch you off guard all that much. He says that, that the power of the kingdom in essence dwells within us currently, that he's, that he's given that. Now, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And it is going to be a big difference, believe me. But, but the, the things that you're doing now would just continue right on into heaven just continue on that the things that the Lord has entrusted you with and that you're doing right now would have meaningful impacts into eternity that it would mean something for the kingdom and the thing about it is you can't do that in your own strength whatever it is that the Lord's entrusted you with you just need to give the glory to God in it. you don't have to go beyond it and you, do, you need to do you don't need to do less than it you just need to do exactly what the Lord has called you to exactly what he's entrusted you with so when he shows up you're excited and he says well done you finished you did exactly what you're supposed to now you can come be with me I'm excited about that This will probably be my last Sunday preaching. The Lord has finished this work here with me here. I wasn't going to share this in the sermon. But I'm excited to stand before the Lord and to stand before you guys in heaven and say that I finished the work that I was entrusted with here. That I poured into the people that I was supposed to. And I, I, I... I can honestly say, and there's mistakes along the way, I can honestly say that when I stand before the Lord, that I'm, I'm proud of, of you guys and what the Lord did through all the different generations of college students and different things that came through. I'm excited. I'm excited to go to heaven one day and be with you guys. Um, so, my prayer is that the Lord would do his work in all of us in such a way that we're excited when, when Jesus shows up.
we're just excited when um, he comes on the scene in our heart as we get to know Jesus more and more would be something that we love him and, uh, and I think that's always real simple messages I've never been very deep beyond that Jesus loves us a lot and he's coming back for us that's all I know so let's pray Lord I'm just so thankful for the ministry you've entrusted to us all I'm really excited just for the the day that we all stand before the Lord and we move on into eternity such excitement live with expectancy to see Jesus that we would live in such a way that glorifies the Lord that we just worship him and that he would get all the glory out of our lives that he would get all the worship and all the praise Because the more I, I just spend time with Jesus, the more I realize how worthy He is to be praised, how, how good He's been to all of us, how much He truly has loved us. And one day it's going to be uh, more satisfying than anything else that this world could ever offer. successful career and having a perfect family perfect ministry all those things will pale in comparison to just knowing Jesus and being loved by him most fully to be fully known Lord may we just um, honor you at the time that we're that we're given